to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Let me tell you something. In most churches, you find one of two things. You find musicians who love Jesus very much and bless them. They're just doing the best they can. Or you find these incredible musicians who really don't care about Jesus. They want to look cool. Uh, you got a stage full of folks who love Jesus deeply and are as talented as much as they love Jesus. So that just, man, that just makes Sunday the best day. Well, this morning, our scripture passage is the gospel reading from the lectionary. Just in case you don't know what the lectionary is, it is a selected set of readings that some denominations share, and over the course of a couple years, it kind of takes you through the whole Bible. So this morning, we're reading from the lectionary passage from Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. May we hear the words of the gospel together. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Would you bow and pray with me one more time? God, we hear your word. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask for the wisdom to understand it. Amen. So um, back when I was the pastor at First Methodist Church in Winsboro, uh, the associate pastor, Fran, and I went to officiate a small family-only graveside funeral. And as we got there, the daughter of the deceased came up to us and said, there's a family member who would like to sing a song. Would that be okay? And we said, sure, that'd be great. So the guy walks up in his ball cap, his acoustic guitar. He actually leans on one of the headstones and he starts picking this song. And he's singing a song that he wrote and it's about times that him and his grandmother had had and uh, just remembrances of life. And it was really a beautiful song. I really enjoyed it. So after the service, I went up to him, introduced myself. I said, hey, you know, I play guitar a little bit too. What kind of guitar was that? And we talked about writing songs, et cetera. And in my mind, I'm thinking, gosh, this this guy's really good. I, I, I wonder if he's ever played much in front of people. And I, and I, I want to I wanna encourage him if, if he hasn't. You know, he really should sometime. So I got in the car and I looked at Fran. I said, man, that guy was just really good. Do you think he's played in front of people much? She said, that was Kix Brooks from Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> you know, I was talking to someone and I had no idea who he was. I knew about him. I've even heard some of their songs. But I didn't know who I was talking to. I didn't really know. And in our culture, 
even with the church on every corner, even with the Christian faith supposedly being so prominent, I worry that there are people who don't really know who Jesus is. Because it's possible, as Doug said last week, to know all about Jesus, but not really get to know him. As a matter of fact, if you went out on the streets today and you asked random people, who is Jesus? You might get a whole variety of responses. And there's even a group that did this in a major city. And there's a short video of people's response to that question, who is Jesus? Let's see if we can get that loaded up. Historical figure? I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person like us. He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't I don't think he's the son of God. I don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed. Like, I'm not going to say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was, you know, we're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, um, and he, to me, is the, like, symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that, like, constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like, religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he, he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. sometimes computers just do whatever they want to do. If you didn't catch some of those responses, they were a wide range of things from just a good man, a political leader. Some even hinted at him being some sort of charlatan or a huckster. There are a lot of opinions about who Jesus is. And let's just boil right down to it. If we claim the title of Christian, then it's pretty important for us to have a clear handle on who the central figure of our faith is. As a matter of fact, the label Christian was originated as an insult. It means little Christs. They all act like they're Christ. So for us to ask and answer the question, who is Jesus, I think is extremely important for us today. So before we answer the question for ourselves, a little background on this passage. Jesus is in an area of extreme religious pluralism. They've got a God for every day of the week and every event under the sun, and they all gather to worship their gods. And Jesus gathers with his disciples, and he kind of is talking about this culture, and he says, who do people say I am? In other words, who do all of those folks say that I am? And the answers that the disciples give are very similar 
to the answers in that video? Well, some say you're a prophet, some say a teacher. There's a whole lot of answers, Jesus. And then he moves the discussion to a whole different place. When he asks them, who do people say that I am? It's a discussion about generalized spirituality, which most people are very comfortable having. But generalized spirituality does not bring about life change and salvation. Jesus says, okay, I've heard who they say that I am, but now here's the real question. Who do you say I am? And let's not forget, what we say with our mouth is one thing. What we say with our life might be another issue. So Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes up with the right answer. And Jesus affirms that. Now, whenever Jesus is speaking to the disciples, whenever he is teaching them, whenever he is guiding them, we need to listen. Because those people were not the only disciples. Remember what Jesus told his disciples at the resurrection? Go into all the world and make disciples. So friends, that's what we are. We are, if we claim the title of Christian, disciples of Jesus Christ. So as Jesus asked his disciples on that day, who do you say that I am? He asks us the very same question. And we have to answer in our own heart, who do we say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? And again, there are a number of answers that people would give. But as we look to the scriptures, there's four ways I would answer this question. Who is Jesus? The first way I would answer it would be to say that Jesus is a friend. Look with me in Luke chapter 5. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, we may think that when we're answering this question, who is Jesus, we need to start with the fact that Jesus is Lord. But that's not where I start, and let me tell you why. I don't believe that's how Jesus starts with us. And let me explain. When Jesus is in scenarios like this, he is rarely standing up and correcting behavior. He's rarely telling these people, don't do this, do this, and get it right. He is simply connecting with them on a level that shows acceptance, that shows love, that shows compassion. Rewind to how Jesus comes to earth. He doesn't come in a palace with armies making dictates and mandates. He comes humbly. He comes lowly. And do you know throughout the ministry of Jesus, his most used designation for himself was son of man. Meaning he chose in every way to identify with me and with you. Jesus comes as a friend. And here's why this is important. Too many people think that in order to come to Jesus, they have to get all their stuff right first. 
And friends, if you're waiting to get your stuff right to come to Jesus, you'll never come to him because you'll never get it right without him. Jesus starts as a friend. While repentance is always the goal of a relationship with Jesus, it is never a prerequisite for it. Jesus starts as a friend. But then, secondly, Jesus is healer. So all throughout the ministry of Jesus, he performs healings. And there have been some who have limited, they've they've narrowed the scope of healing to meaning only physical. Amy and Marie can tell you that limiting healing to physical only is shortchanging the scope of what healing truly is. Amy and Marie both have backgrounds and work in counseling. Healing is not just physical, friends. As a matter of fact, Physical healing is just the first and, dare I say, most surface level. There are things that we don't see that only Jesus can heal. Let me give you an example. When in Luke's gospel, Jesus is approached by a man suffering from leprosy, the man throws himself on his knees before him and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus touched him, then said, I am willing be healed. Now, this is interesting because as we look at the other healings of Jesus, he generally heals them with just a word, right? Take up your mat and walk. There's even one instance where a man comes to Jesus and says, my child is at home sick. Will you come and heal them? Jesus says, okay, I'll be there shortly. The man says, no, no, no. Look, I understand authority. I understand uh, giving orders. So you just say the word from here and my child will be healed. Jesus does. And the child is healed even from a distance. Jesus doesn't have to touch this man to heal him. So why does Jesus touch him? Because this man was a leper. He would have been cut off from his society, from his religious services, even from his family potentially for years. This man would have went without human contact for years upon years. Imagine the emotional and the mental anguish this man was suffering. And by Jesus touching him before he healed him, what he was saying so loudly and so clearly was, you don't have to get your stuff right to be accepted by me. You don't have to get it all together to be loved and to be worthwhile. Jesus healed the man emotionally. Jesus healed the man mentally and spiritually before he ever addressed the physical. So that's what Jesus does for us. When we were outcast, when we weren't wanted, when we were put on the fringes, Jesus calls us in. He offers us a place to belong. He offers us a real family and a real home. Jesus is friend, but Jesus is also healer. But as I said, that healing entails spiritual healing as well, which means thirdly that Jesus is savior. Jesus is not a savior. Jesus is the savior. Listen to Luke's gospel, chapter 19, very simple verse. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. You know, they talk about having a mission, having a purpose, having a reason for doing what you do. The most successful people in life are driven. They know what they're doing and they're laser focused and nothing's going to get in the way of that. 
Well, Jesus is right here showing just how laser focused he is. He has come to seek and save the lost. Jesus has come to offer forgiveness and reconciliation with others and with God. I mean, even his name. A few weeks ago, we talked about how significant names were in the scriptures. His name, Jesus, literally means the Lord saves. I don't think there's anyone in here who would be so foolish as to say, well, I've never sinned. And if you're going to say that, you can come and offer confession for the sin of lying right after the surface. We've all sinned, friends, and I think we know it. I don't think we need to be convinced that we're sinners. I think we need to come to the realization that there is a God who can and will forgive us. I think the world needs to know that God has a way, a means by which he has made it possible to be forgiven, to be changed, and to be restored into a right relationship with God. And that only comes through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let's not limit salvation to saying a prayer once and then sitting and waiting. Friends, that's not even scratching the surface. Salvation is a moment. Salvation is a process. And salvation is something that is still yet to come. What we are saved from is not nearly as important as what we are saved to. And we are saved to a faithful and loving relationship with Jesus Christ and the honor of service within his kingdom. Jesus starts his friend because he offers acceptance without condition. Jesus is healer because he heals us not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And Jesus is savior, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that brings us to the final way I would answer this question. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Look with me at Romans 10, if you will. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This passage is where we get our phrase, Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And in our vernacular, especially in this area of the country, that's a popular phrase. That's a common phrase. Most people know the phrase, Jesus is Lord and Savior. So last October, I went with my brother and my cousin, and we hiked the Grand Canyon. And I don't mean we hiked around. I mean, we started on the South Rim um, Kaibab Trailhead, went down to the middle, stayed at the Phantom Ranch, hiked up and out the North Kaibab Trail, up and out the North Rim. Incredible, life-changing trip. And let me say that when I was down below the rim, looking at the, at the majesty of the canyon, words like majestic, awesome, amazing, they took on real meaning. There's a lot of words in our, in our everyday life that we use that I think we water down. For example, we get a good plate of chicken wings. These wings are amazing. They're awesome. Really, the wings inspired awe in your life? I mean, they're good, but 
Awesome, honestly, it's a little strong of a word. Or maybe we've diluted the words. So when I was in the canyon, I, I, I saw things that made me understand the power and the potency of these words. Can I suggest that maybe the phrase, Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that we've used it so much that we've allowed it to lose some of its potency? That we've honestly lost focus a little bit as to what that truly means? Because friends, I don't think there's any way to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ properly unless we then have him as our Lord. And so the idea of a Lord is foreign to us. So in the Greek, the, the word that Paul uses here, remember the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, the word for Lord is kurios, which comes from the root word kuros. And kuros means supremacy. So the kurios is one who is over, who is supreme, who is above, who is beyond all things. So in those days, the concept of a Lord They not only called the shots, they were your reason for living. Having a Lord meant you had someone to whom you gave your devotion. Someone you had the honor and the joy of serving in every way possible. So this phrase that we get from Paul's writing here, Paul links inseparably the concepts. In order to really experience Jesus as Savior, you must have him as your Lord. Can I suggest that any grace that's preached, that offers forgiveness and hope, yet does not lead us to obedient discipleship in Jesus Christ is only a half-truth, friends. Because the only way to fully experience the power and the purpose for salvation is to live into loving obedience with Jesus Christ as our Lord. And living into loving obedience as Jesus Christ as our Lord helps us understand and experience the power of his grace and forgiveness. The two cannot be separated. Theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, puts it this way. The only man who has the right to say that he is justified by grace alone is the man who has left all to follow Christ. Such a man knows that the call to discipleship is a gift of grace and that the call is inseparable from the grace. The only way to now live, once I've experienced the acceptance, the healing, and the forgiveness, the only way to live into a proper relationship with Jesus Christ is with him as my Lord. Now, what does that look like? We've got sermons and sermons and sermons to talk about that, but let me give you the short, short version. I think for me, living with Jesus Christ as my Lord means getting up each and every day and saying, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do today and however it is you want me to do it, let that be what I do. And whatever gets in the way of that, give me the strength to put it aside. Who is Jesus? That's an important question. And it's one the world needs to hear and see us answer, not just with our words, but with our lives. So we tell them, yes, Jesus is friend, and he offers acceptance without condition. And Jesus is healer. He can heal you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And Jesus stands uniquely as the only Savior. 
But then because of all that, Jesus is Lord. Refuge band's gonna come back out, and as they do, I wanna make an invitation to you. I know we're Methodists, and we don't do this that much. We'll be standing right down there by that cross. During this last song, if you've never made a decision of faith, if you've never made that decision to make Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord, you come see me. I'd love to talk to you and share with you what that looks like. Or if you say, I just can't do it right now, you want to come by during the week, that's fine. Come to the office, give us a call, get with me or Doug. We'd be thrilled to walk you through that. But don't leave here today without letting God ask you the question and without you answering the question for yourself. Who is Jesus? Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.